Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, July 23rd, 2021. Unfortunately, we've probably all had to work with people who make excuses. And if it's not this, it's something else. And if you tell them too directly, they say you're too harsh. And if you tell them too softly, they don't listen or they act like you're not serious. And whatever you do, it's not good enough for them. And they make excuse upon excuse about it. Well, if you've ever felt that way, let me guarantee you it is nothing it must be nothing compared to the way that Jesus felt during his ministry doing ministry to the crowds there in ancient Israel as excuse upon excuse was made as to why they wouldn't listen to him or why they wouldn't listen to John the Baptist we pick it up today in Luke chapter 7 verses 24 through 35 And yesterday, we talked about the doubts that John the Baptist had. And Jesus answers the messengers. And this this seems perhaps to be the worst moment that we see from John the Baptist, that he does, you know, have these doubts, but Jesus responds to them. But then Jesus says some really positive things about John the Baptist after those messengers leave. You know, he, he praises John for the ministry that he did and for the truth that he communicated and the special role that he had. In verse 27, he says, this is he of whom it was written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And so as he quotes that, he then even goes on to say, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. That's a high statement of praise for John the Baptist, that that he was the greatest born among women. And part of that, I think, is because of that role that he had of preparing the way for the Messiah. Uh, He was honored in these words by Jesus. And then it says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he And what's up with that? Is that kind of like, well, well, that makes this statement meaningless. Uh, No, I think he is speaking from kind of a historical perspective, really, that uh, those that get to see those that got to see the death and resurrection of Christ or those that now have the full information and believe based on that. There is a greater privilege even in that Um, because John is, is killed before Uh, Jesus dies and rises again. So there there was a greater privilege in in seeing all those things. But up until this point, John uh, was the greatest, Jesus says, born among women. And that was high praise. And then he kind of calls out the crowds. And this is where we really get into the excuses. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We played a dirge and you did not weep. You know, imagining these children saying, what's, what's your problem? We, we played happy songs and you didn't dance. So if you were sad, okay, we played sad songs, but you didn't weep. Like, well, you're just not into anything. And then Jesus goes on to explain, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he has a demon. 
Then the Son of Man comes, eating and drinking, and you say, look at this, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. So Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to make up an excuse for, for whatever. John comes and he's not doing these things. Oh, there must be something wrong with him. I come and I'm doing these things. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. And Jesus is calling out the crowd for their endless excuses as to why they won't follow God. Now, some of you might need to really check your own heart. Are you making a list of endless excuses why you will not take Jesus at his word and follow him? Whether that's in the ultimate sense of turning from your sin and putting your faith in Christ. Are you going from one excuse to another? And you need to realize at this point, you're just making stuff up. And today is the day to say, no, Jesus is the Lord. And even to talk back to your doubts and to throw them aside and say, no, I am embracing Jesus Christ. Or is there some other way that you're just failing to trust or obey Jesus? You need to know, you know, I need to give up these excuses and do what Jesus is calling me to do. And even if maybe you don't feel like you're in that boat today, you probably do sense some of Jesus's frustration as you look out at this generation, as you look out at the culture we live in and you say, man, this is a faithless generation and people will reject Christ for whatever reason. Well, we get some instruction on maybe how we can be helped in that now as we turn back to Second Chronicles, where today we're looking at chapters 7 through 9. And we'll focus mostly on chapter 7, which is kind of the culmination of really the, the setting up of the temple and sanctifying that and setting it apart and beginning to use it. And as Solomon prays this prayer that we read about yesterday, fire comes down from heaven and consumes the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Oh, what an amazing thing. And after that happens, they they resume the same song they were singing, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And the temple is dedicated, and Solomon then gives a... uh, Solomon, when when all things happen, the Lord actually speaks to Solomon. He appears to Solomon after this dedication and after Solomon's prayer. And God responds and says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, we know God's not speaking directly to 21st century United States of America. There he's speaking to Solomon. But there are some great things. If we look at it, our generation and we are frustrated, um, what should we do? And notice it starts off by saying, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And may that be where we start. May we not make excuses for ourselves or for our generation, but may we be the people who are, well, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to really seek God's face more than I ever have before, and I will turn from my wicked ways. Are you doing that? Are you walking before the Lord in humility or are you becoming like the proud Pharisee who looks out at the culture and says, God, thank you so much that I'm not like them. 
Or are you humble saying, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness and I'm only saved because of your grace. Are you faithfully praying, praying for revival, praying for God to work, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Are you seeking God's face? And is that something in your life that is growing stronger and stronger or not? And are you turning from your wicked ways as you continue to grow in Christ likeness? And that really is going to bring us to our next passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. And here we are told how to put away as Christians our wicked ways, how to live out kind of our sanctification. And it uses kind of this rubric of put off and put on. Starting in verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That now as Christians, we are not to live as our former lives were, but we are to put those ways off and put on the new ways of Christ. And then he gives several examples, putting away falsehood and putting on truth, uh, putting away laziness and stealing and putting on work, putting away bitterness and wrath and putting on kindness, tenderheartedness and forgiveness. Um, And so this is a good way for you to think today. What do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? That's the general truth of the Christian life. But what's going on in your life that you know I need to put this off and I need to put this on? And um, as you think about that, beware excuses. What we've been talking about today, even as a Christian, you are going to be tempted to make excuses for why you are doing some of the things you are doing when you need to say, no, that's not how I've learned Christ. That's not how God has called me to live. And I need to put those away. And so hopefully that encourages you today. Finally, let's wrap up in Psalm 87. And this can be one of those Psalms that maybe is a little bit difficult to relate to because it is focused on the city of Jerusalem. And therefore, that kind of has a very old covenant feel where it was really about one central place. And you see the privilege that it was of being, you know, even from Jerusalem. The Lord records as he registers people, this one was born there. Well, as you read this, think through Kind of even as the New Testament talks about, our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of the new Jerusalem. How blessed are you that your citizenship is already recorded there? And then may you be able to say, all my springs are in you. The hopes that you have, the things that really satisfy your heart, those are coming not from thinking about where you live in this life, but your true citizenship, you even consider my true home is the new Jerusalem. That's where I'm going for. And that is what I am thinking about. And hopefully this Psalm will get you thinking along those lines as you read it today. 
But as we think through the excuses our culture makes, let us not make excuses. Let us seek God, pray, humble ourselves, and turn from our wicked ways. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.